0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. We're going to go straight to our text. Uh, The fruit that we're speaking on um, this evening is the fruit of kindness. So let us take a look at a scripture text and see what it has in store for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. All right. Ephesians 2, verse 5 reads, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us a life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. This is a powerful verse right here that talks about the life that has been given to us as a result of Christ's death. I like the way Romans put it to it says that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, church, Jesus became who we were so that we could become who He is. That's a great exchange, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Praise the Lord. Let's celebrate that. And that moves us into the next part of our revelation after we we understand that He has given us life. Verse 6 says, For He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. I want to draw your attention to the underlying portion that says seated us with him. Now being seated with Christ has some powerful powerful implications to it. It's talking about our authority. Let me take you back to the garden. When God spoke to Adam and he told him, he says, I want you to subdue the earth and take dominion. Well, what happened was through the transgression of sin man lost his ability to take authority and take a dominion and subdue the earth. But notice in this passage what God is doing through Christ. First, the former passage told us that he brought us back to life again, but now in this passage it's telling us that he seated us with Christ. So in here we see that our authority has been restored. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. You say, how in the world did he seek me with Christ? Well, it's sort of like a retroactive pay. You ever received a retroactive pay? Yeah, sir. That's always good, isn't it? <laughs> I got somebody really talking to me down here. I like that. <laughs> you see... A lot of things God did for us, he did them before we were ever even born. So then once we came and accepted Christ, it it was just like the benefits were plugged in to our life. That's why this gospel is such a glorious gospel. Now, look at verse seven. We've been raised back to life. He's given us a life in Christ. We've been seated with him. We have authority that we once had, but then we lost. But now look at verse seven, let's unpack verse seven. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples. When I was reading that, I thought about pointing to us. God, why are you pointing to us? But before I can answer why he was pointing to us, I had to recognize that the scripture said that he's been pointing to you and me throughout all future ages. That's powerful. (laughs) That's powerful. Now, I was going to have some guys to help me demonstrate that, you know, it would have a greater impact. All over the church, like my ushers are, going to have them just point, you know, just point like this. Help me point. But God's been doing like this. God's been pointing at you and me. How long have you been pointing at you? For ages. Ages. Then that makes you ask the question, why? Why has he been pointing at us? He's been pointing at us because you and I are the only examples in the earth. Watch this. Watch this next part. We're the only examples in the earth of his incredible wealth, of his grace and kindness toward us. He's just been pointing so he could show the entire world and even the angels, look at my children and look what I've spent on them in the form of grace and kindness. Hallelujah. It's the greatest act ever performed on the behalf yeah. of the human race. Yeah. Yeah, man. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that's that something to be thankful about? Yes. The goodness of God toward us. So he's been pointing to us to show how that we are examples of his incredible wealth, incredible wealth of his grace and kindness, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. The biggest part of this passage that I wanted to emphasize is the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness. This um, past Father's Day, uh, my eldest daughter, Sonia, I got you know gifts from all three of my girls and grandkids. Um, I said I wasn't going to do this, but here I go. My grandkids ain't quite turned two yet, right? They sent me a Father's Day card, and they signed it. It's <laughs> scribbling one color of ink, and then the other one scribbling the other color of ink. And then they got me a mug. I, you know what I said at home, and I told myself, "Don't you go there. You don't have time to go there." And I just look at me. Pitiful grandfather. <laughs> 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 then they sent me a mug with a with a wrench on it, a picture of a screwdriver on it rather, and it said, if Papa can't fix it, we all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's right. Y'all got it right. Tell your mama and daddy, I've been trying to tell them for the longest. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But my oldest girl got me a Cleveland Indians jacket because she knew I'd been wanting one for a couple years. So I pulled that thing out, man. I got to looking at it and uh, showed it to my wife. I said, look at this, baby. I said, man, look at here. I said, this is something special. And I borrowed my mama's words. When my mama seen something on you and it was like special, she said, boy or girl, usually girl, you know. Girl, I know you pay good money for that. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, you see this jacket? I said, Sonya paid good money for this. She didn't get this at no Kmart or Walmart or no other kind of mart. She paid good money for this. What I'm trying to say to you, church, is the incredible wealth of God's grace and kindness was good money that he paid for you and I for this great salvation that we have praise the Lord he paid good money for you and I and not only that but the latter part of the passage I'm going to close out the latter part it says he has, what he has done for us who are united with Christ. You and I have been placed in union with Christ. And as a result, something very extraordinary occurred in our life. You all know, if you know Christ as your Savior, you can remember that day. You can remember since the time that you gave your life to Christ. It hasn't all been pleasant, but oh, what an extraordinary transformation has taken place in our life as a result of being in union with Christ. That's also the secret to our fruit production because we're in union with Christ. In his very life All that he produces flows through each and every one of us and makes us capable to produce the same. Now because of that, I want you to remember this. Remember this out of this message. You and I, this is my big ideal. Big ideal is you and I are no longer mere men. To the ladies, you're no longer just a mere woman. To the men, you're no longer just a mere man. Being in union with Christ has added some super to our natural. We are part human, but we're part supernatural. Yeah. 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 Amen? Amen? You and I have an ability to produce supernatural things Amen. Yeah. such as the fruit of God. Yeah, right. Amen? Amen? The fruit of God. Praise the Lord. Now, Let me share a story with you. When I accepted the Lord, I began to experience this supernatural life that I had never experienced before, and it made me someone whom I never was uh, beforehand, as I'm sure you all can attest to it, that know the Lord as your Savior. And I began to spend time with God. I was living in Pittsburgh. And I would go to school, I'd get out at one in the afternoon, and I'd just spend time with God, excuse me, spend time with God, spend time with God. And I'm telling you, I began to grow in my relationship with him. And as I did, I thought I was changed at the outset. But spending time with God changed me more and more and more and more. To the place where I felt I was practically invincible, I didn't say invisible, I said invincible. <laughs> Praise God. Let me tell you a story. I want to show you how bad it got. One day I was in my apartment, and uh, I heard these screeching tires, cars pulling up across the street at this bar across from my apartment. And I got up and looked out the window and I seen these people jump out this car. And uh, some other guys came from either out of the bar or from their car somewhere, I don't know. And it was two gangs and they started fighting. Now let me tell you something. This incredible wealth of God's kindness, it wasn't just doctrinal. It was becoming my life experience to the point that it totally changed me. I was completely fearless. You're probably gonna think I was something else other than fearless when I tell you the rest of the story. (laughs) But here's what happened. I looked out my window and I seen the two gangs converging and I immediately ran down the steps. You know how you say, I don't have a dog in this fight? That was my time to say I didn't have a dog in this fight. But I didn't say I didn't have a dog in this fight. I'm in Pittsburgh going to school. I don't know none of these people. And I ran down the steps and went over and got in the middle of the gang. And I said, guys, knock it off. Listen to me. I want to tell you about Jesus. Say, did you really do that? I really did that. <laughs> it was two of them and one of me. Two gangs and one me. Amen. And I stood up boldly. Well, you see, one of the fruits of the Spirit, the predominant one, is love. And inside love is boldness. Ooh, what a truth that is, but we don't have time to really talk about that. But I had grown so in the love of God until I was fearless. And I said, guys, knock it off. I want to tell you about Jesus. And about that time, a right roundhouse or a left hook hit me on my left jaw. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. And this Superman, supernatural type of mindset that I had, began to shatter back down to Earth's reality. (laughs) Because I said, "Uh uh-oh, what you gonna do now? But about that time, I heard sirens. The police were coming. And all of these guys jumped back in their car and took off. And you know, I was a new Christian, I was only saved for a few months. So I didn't know the scripture that says God will fight for for you and send your enemies seven different ways. I saw my enemies go seven different ways that evening. And I said, praise God. Because I didn't know what was going to happen next. Me out there between two gangs. But listen, here's why I tell you that story. I was so hungry to share Christ with anybody I could. It just came natural to me to go down there and to just feel like I could be a change agent. I'm telling you guys, you and I are no longer mere men. We have something on the inside of us that is so extraordinary that is divine actually and we're not just a natural man or natural woman anymore praise God praise the Lord so moving right along what happened to you and I is we began at some point to feel empowered to produce fruit And you're going to produce fruit after your own kind. So being that God has placed us in union with Christ, that's the kind of fruit that we're going to produce, the same kind that Christ produced. It's not above us to be like Christ or to produce the fruit that he produced. It's very much in step that we would produce the fruit that he produced because of our union with him. Listen, a new inborn divine nature begins to make itself evident in our lives. Isn't that what happened to fruit on a tree? Amen. It don't just pop out like popcorn, but it begins to make itself evident. If it's an apple tree, apples begin to make themselves evident. Pear tree and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord. So you and I, Because of an extraordinary transformation that our lives have experienced, we begin to make evident fruit after a godly nature. Listen to what Galatians 5.22 says about those fruits. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now why would it say there is no law against these? The reason it says it is because if all of society was filled with the Spirit they would produce the fruit of the Spirit and if that were the case we wouldn't need no law in our society there would be no institution of the law that we would need you wouldn't need a policeman you wouldn't need a district justice you wouldn't need a higher court a supreme court you wouldn't even need congress imagine that (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. Because where the presence of these fruits are is where the presence of God's Spirit is. And all the law is, is an outward restriction to curb sin. That's all it is. It was produced to curb sin. But you and I, we don't need that because we have these fruits spoken of in Galatians 5, 22. We have been born again with a Christ-like character. Now, because of that, I like this quote from Richard Foster that says, It's no longer, it's no longer hard to be like Christ. The difficult thing is to not be like him. Isn't that amazing? It's no longer hard to be like Christ. What's difficult is to not be like him. Man, what a transformation we have experienced in God. That reminds me of another story. I was at the gas station pumping gas, and man, this has been a long, 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 long time ago. Um, And this guy named Frankie, he knew I was a Christian, but anyways, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I go in to pay for the gas, and I come back out, and I discovered that the lady paid me too much. So I go back to make it right. She says, thank you, I leave, I come back, to pump the gas. A guy named Frankie had pulled up to pump gas, but he went in to pay for it. Evidently, she told him what I had done. I don't know how she said it, but she told me. So he came back out, and he was chuckling. (laughs) Ah, It's tough to be righteous, ain't it, brother? Because he knew I was a new Christian. You see, he thought that my profession as a Christian, made it an obligation for me to go back and make that money right with the lady inside uh, the gas station. Here's what Frankie didn't realize. He didn't realize that it was not an obligation for me. It was a joy. Amen. Yeah, that's right. The book of John says that the laws of God for the commandments of God are not grievous. It's not grievous for us to walk in all of the righteous fruits of God. There's nothing grievous about it. It's a joy. But being that he wasn't of the nature that I was, he couldn't understand that. But it really blessed me. What he thought was something to uh, laugh about To me, it was something to rejoice about. Praise God. Now, I want to close with um, a story about a a young lad named Mephibosheth. So if you would all follow me there. Um, Mephibosheth... Had a, had a grandfather named Saul, and Saul was king of Israel. And then his father, name was Jonathan. Well, one day in battle, Mephibosheth's grandfather and father were killed in battle. Both of them, the same day. And so Mephibosheth's nurse grabbed him and ran off with him to keep him out of harm's way. In so doing, Mephibosheth fell and ended up lame. But somehow or another, he still made it to a place of safety, and he began to live in this house in a place called Lodibar. Well, afterwards, King David became king of Israel and after he established his kingdom and got everything in order he thought about his friend Jonathan and his love for Jonathan as his covenant brother just made him think about I wonder if Saul and Jonathan have anyone left in their family and so here's how the scripture reads when he is reminiscing on his friend Jonathan. 2 Samuel 9:1 says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And then he repeated it in verse 3. He said, The king then asked, Is anyone still alive? from Saul's family. If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And a guy named Zeba, who had been Saul's servant, answered him and he says, Jonathan has a son who lives in Lodibar. He's lame. And he's been living there for the longest. The name Lodibar literally means a place of nothing. Now, I want you to imagine this. This young man at five years old lost his grandfather, and he lost his father. So he's obviously grief-stricken. Then he's lame. And then he has to run away to a place called Lodibar, which is a place noted for nothing. It's a place of nothing is what it means. So there he is, living the best he can. And David finds out that he's in Lodibar, and he sends for him. What I want to show you here, church, is that the kindness of God is not shy or timid. We don't think of the kindness of God as being a powerful force, but I tell you what. It is a very proactive force because the kindness of God seeks after needs. It seeks after what's wrong so it can make it right. But a lot of times we think kindness is just something soft and timid, but it's not. It's very proactive. And that's what was living in David's heart when he asked if there's anyone left in Saul's house. And when they told him about Mephibosheth, he said, go get him and bring him to me. And they brought Mephibosheth to David, and he fell at David's feet, on his face, not on his knees, but on his face. And he said, fear not, Mephibosheth, because I will surely show you kindness. Kindness for your father Jonathan's sake. You know all of us as ex-mephibosheths, but God showed us kindness for Jesus' sake. Amen? Amen. Amen. We read that in our scripture text, what all Christ did in those three verses, did we not? That is why we became recipients of God's kindness. Now. As he fell at David's feet and he told him, I will surely show you kindness, he goes on to tell him, he says, you will eat at my table every day. And he also told him, I'm going to restore everything to you that used to belong to your grandfather Saul. See, a lot of times when somebody is looking for you, it might be because you owe them some money or something, right? Right? But I thank God for the power of kindness because the power of kindness will look for you because it wants to bestow some good thing upon you. This is why kindness is essential in our lives. It's the kindness of God that we minister to each other with and that we minister outside these walls when we run into all the Mephibosheths out there who are yet to come to the king's table. Amen. Amen? Look at this. And I'm closing with this. The essentialness of kindness. God's kindness is full of tender concern, benevolent, and is seasoned with grace. There's a lot of legitimate concerns, but they're not always met. But the spirit of kindness will seek to meet every legitimate concern as David did with Mephibosheth and another reason that kindness is so essential in our lives is because it is the one proactive force that seeks out needs and it does it indiscriminately it can't help itself it don't pick and choose when it sees a need it has an assertive force to go toward that need We're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. And particularly, the fruit of kindness. Thirdly, God's kindness is eager to help restore. See, Mephibosheth didn't get what he deserved. There wasn't anything so much that he deserved. But the kindness of God in the heart of David wanted to bestow upon him everything that he lost and you and I like David have the kindness of God in us so that we can perform the same acts of kindness to whomever we find in need you see what I'm trying to say to you is Don't underestimate this little fruit called kindness. It's essential. Somebody right now needs something, and you're the only one that can minister it to them because of the spirit of kindness that lives in you. You're not just a mere man. The spirit of kindness is after a divine nature. It is the very nature of God to do what David did to Mephibosheth, and it is the very nature of God that lives in you and I for us to do to all whom we find in need. We shouldn't be looking for somebody because they owe us money. (laughs) No, we should be looking for someone because we know they have a need, and we can point them to the one who can feel that need? Yeah. With that being said, I want to give anyone an opportunity that has never accepted Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do so now. If you can't remember a day when you asked Jesus to come into your heart, this evening is your opportunity. We're going to pray a prayer. And we want you to pray the prayer with us. And just mean it from your heart. Amen? Lord Jesus, I guess in some ways you can say I'm like Mephibosheth. I desire to be brought back to the king's table. table. I desire to be brought back to my rightful place place. that was lost lost in Adam. Adam. Lord Jesus, Jesus. I give you my life. life. I I commit myself to you. And I will live for you all the days of my life thank you jesus for dying for me i receive my salvation and rejoice in it from this day forward amen thank you for listening to the bc podcast Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired and encouraged.